When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast. Every week we talk about some ideas and some tools that we really hope will help you, and they do always help us, to navigate our increasingly squiggly careers with just a bit more confidence, clarity and control. And this week we're talking about a topic that I've really enjoyed spending time with. We'll see whether Helen's felt the same about it, which is all about how to stop multitasking so that we can do more of the work that matters to us and feels really meaningful. I think that this experience will be the opposite of the one, the podcast that we recorded on when it is great to be good enough. And I got to sit there whole time like, yeah, this doesn't apply to me. I can let stuff go really easily. And you you are really good at that one. (laughs) I know. So basically, it was just like a critique of you. I feel like this one. The revenge. It's like the revenge episode. (laughs) It's basically feedback for Helen. Stop multitasking and just stick at something. Well, every time I read an extra bit of research that was like even more compelling, I was like, yes, I'm going to put that one in. I'm gonna put I was just really enjoying it. Well as long as I come out from this critique with some practical ideas for action that I can you know I can implement. You will. Great, great. Good to know everybody. You know you will, you've come up with some of them. <laughs> I just need to do them now. Um so for anybody else who thinks that they would like to do something practical with the conversation that you're about to hear, don't forget you can download the pod sheet which summarizes everything and you can swipe through the pod note. All those great things. They are on our website, amazingif.com, or you can find them on social. We're at amazingif on LinkedIn and on Instagram. So let's start with why does multitasking matter to us in our development? If it's not obvious, I feel like actually common sense is that multitasking doesn't really work. I think some people convince themselves that sort of maybe they're the exception to the rule because they're very good at it. But Oh yeah, you talk about it, yourself now. No, no, because <laughs> I think I'm getting worse. We'll talk about that. I think my multitasking effectiveness it's just getting worse or maybe the impact of it is getting bigger I don't know but I, I would like to stop doing it as much as I do and actually I think the context for multitasking makes it harder now to stop but there's there is so much to do and there's so much information and I always feel like there's another thing to read or to action or to get done and so that pull on our brains particularly if you're someone who is susceptible for this I think our working context makes it harder than ever and 
what happens is we get more wired because we're trying to do more, more and more things and we get more tired and all that happens is we make more mistakes and we get less done. Like that's why it matters. It just isn't very effective as a way of working. It's also a myth, which I find really interesting. So our brains can't actually multitask. So I think it's like a phrase that we've all got really used to saying, oh, you know, I've just got to do loads of multitasking. But that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is switching really quickly between tasks. And our brains are actually wired to be monotaskers. So one thing at once, not multitaskers. When you go into the research, lots of the scientists describe what happens when we multitask and they call it task switch costs. So basically a long list of all the disadvantages of multitasking. And it's very hard to find any good news. So I did find one. So I was for balance. I did try to find one because you see that when we multitask, we make more mistakes. Interestingly, I didn't know this was true until I started researching for today. It reduces our memory capacity, Mm. both our working memory and our long-term memory. So not good for, you know, retaining important information. Our thoughts get more muddled. That's what made sense to me because I was like, oh, our brain's trying to be in too many places at once. And it increases our stress. So in summary, our work gets worse and our work takes longer. So it should be a really good incentive to think differently about multitasking and actually think, well, what might we do instead? There is the exception, though. I will include this because I was was reading about when multitasking can be helpful. And actually, if you are doing creative problem solving or if you're getting a bit stuck, often doing something else kind of as a distraction or just something different to take our attention in a new direction can be useful. So the examples they give are, you know, like going for a walk. When you just feel like you're going around in circles, even if you like went to do some cooking when you were trying to think about a problem and you just felt like, oh, something's not quite clicking here, that can actually be really useful, like leaving a problem and sort of coming back to it, but letting our brains like mull it over or think about it in a slightly different context. That also makes sense to me because that's something that I definitely do whenever I just feel like, oh, do you know what? I'm sort of not making the progress I need to. So, you know, there are some examples. So intentional creative distractions are fine, but multitasking is bad for your brain. That's our yes. headline. That's yeah, our headline. <laughs> <laughs> One thing as well, I think when we are talking about multitasking and the ideas for action that we're going to share to help you with it, if it's something you think you, I guess you suffer from really in terms of how it affects your work, is that I think there is a, a context that we need to be aware of in terms of neurodiversity, which is that people who have a condition within sort of neurodiversity find focusing on one thing for a long period of time harder because it's just not the way that their brain works and I think we haven't are the ideas for action that we are about to share are not specifically for people who would identify as neurodiverse however we did recently record a podcast on this with David Pugh Jones and Sam Hugh and I would recommend giving that a listen and also David is one of the founding members of a charity the Neurodiversity and Business Charity and there are lots of resources on there so I think if you would like a little bit more specific support then I would head listen there and head to that website to, to get some some information that might be useful. So if you were giving yourself a score out of 10 Helen to get us started on how good are you at doing one thing at once like what's your current capability because I do think scales sometimes help us with where are we starting from (laughs) (laughs) that's an interesting response so I've got like a monotasking on one end and a multitasking on the other yeah um I am not very uh, 
I can monotask, but only for a short period of time. So it's, and I'd say, for me, it's not, you know, where do you sit on the scale? It's more how long can I monotask for? I think my biggest my biggest thing would be to make that time a bit longer. So I would say probably at the moment, 30 minutes before I would get distracted by something. Like, so if you said to me like, oh, Helen, we're gonna need to write book three. <laughs> I'm basically writing it in 30 minutes sprints with lots of distractions <laughs> in the middle. It's not very effective, it's not very effective. <laughs> so the moment I get to any kind of deep work, I'm like, oh, distraction. So I think, I don't think I am very good at it because my brain can't sit at the moment with one thing for very long. And I think that's got worse. I was actually, when I was sort of prepping this podcast, I was thinking about when my children were young, I was trying to work out, well, why is it? What's changed? Because when I had my first child, Henry, I was doing my MBA. He was a little baby and I would get up early in the morning at the weekend because I was working and I would probably do work on my MBA from sort of like 5.30 until 8.30 on a Saturday and a Sunday. And that meant that I could make progress and it didn't affect my working week. I cannot imagine that I've got the energy to do that anymore. Right? <laughs> no one are... has the energy to do that though, Helen. That sounds like I madness. Did, but I did then. And I'm like, what has changed? And I'm like, is it work? Is it my children are harder work? Yeah, <laughs> is it is it age? I mean, I'm like eight years on from that point. Is it is it age? I don't know. But I was like, I think, or have, has my brain degraded in some way that means because of maybe the way that I've been working all the things that we said this is the issue with multitasking is you know it does affect our brain I don't I haven't got the answer but I think well I used to be better it it didn't used to be 30 minutes it could definitely have been three hours eight years ago so something's happened well one of the things you do read a bit about is just the importance of practice so one of the things that could have happened is that you're sort of out of practice so you know it sounded to me like you got a bit of a ritual and a routine there about those three hours so you were putting in some good quality practice around monotasking and staying focused on kind of one thing at once, maybe over time, maybe over the last eight years, you've just done less and less of that and had less practicing. And so you've sort of got to almost like rediscover the practice. I mean, there's ritual routine and reality, isn't there? My my, my six-year-old <laughs> gets up at 6.30, my eight-year-old's up at seven. And like, it, it, is, it is interesting. It's just, I felt sort of honestly like a bit disappointed in myself when I was reflecting Aww. on it. I was like... No, but I was like, oh, I want that back. You know, that that yeah, time that, that time to achieve those bigger things that just take longer. And so, yeah, definitely I was like, I want that back. I want that brain back. What about you with your brilliant monotasking abilities? Tell us more. <laughs> I don't know if I'm brilliant. I think I, well, I think I've done a lot of the reading and spoken to quite a few people around this topic, which is just an area that I'm really interested in particularly speaking to Johan Hari uh, and I read his brilliant book Stolen Focus that I would recommend to everybody and he's been on our podcast I think really made me reevaluate how I was spending my time and what time well spent looked like for me and I don't think I'm a natural multitasker anyway I'm quite I'm single-minded as, as a person I'm single-minded and I'm determined and I think in some ways that works in my favor I'm quite good at ignoring other things and other people when I'm trying to get something done and I do enjoy the feeling of what happens when you find your flow because you've done something you know almost like for a long period of time and you've sort of really got into it and often it's hard and it feels difficult along the way but then when I reflect back on all the things I feel most proud of it's always been from that sort of monotasking type mentality and even in a day 
very kind of more basically and practically, I never feel good if I've done loads of switching. You know, so if I've had to switch lots and lots and lots, I actually get very frustrated. And to your point, you're not, I'm not feeling proud of myself. Mm. So I think it's been over time, a kind of commitment and then recommitment to it. And I see that I'm better because of it. And also, I just don't think I back myself to be good enough to do the multitasking. And I think I'm quite motivated by, you know, when it's like, okay, well, you'll be more stressed, you'll make more mistakes, your work will be worse. I'm like, I don't, I don't want any of those things. I, I want to be really good at what I do. And I think some of those, like, I suppose they are carrots rather than sticks, aren't they? Like the, I want the good stuff. And it just helps me to sort of think, okay, well, just stick and do one thing at once. And then I'll have more time at the end of the day to do other things or just the quality of that brief that I'm writing will be better. I'm not, by no means perfect, which we'll, we'll talk about next, but I think it maybe plays to my personality more. I do wonder if there's sort of a personality thing here where you're like, some people are just naturally more attracted to multitasking versus monotasking. Because I see that in you and I, it's like, neither is a better, we're just different. Mm. And I just, I just see that I don't find it as hard, particularly with some of the tech stuff that we'll talk about. I, I don't, almost like feel the appeal I think sometimes that you do of sort of having loads of stuff happening all at once I think you might find it energizing I'm just like I think I find it depleting so that's also interesting I think as you're listening to this just like know where you're starting from because then I think you can figure out what's going to make the most difference for you and I think what you and I are both practicing or kind of trying out will look and feel quite different yeah, I, I mean, I definitely do find it energising because it, it gives me a, a sense of pace and momentum. But the issue is it's not effective. So I've mm. got these two values, which are almost maybe competing here. One of energy, which gets fed by me doing a lot of stuff at mm. the same time. And one of achievement, which is held back because doing a lot of stuff at the same time stops me making more significant progress on things that are bigger and take longer. So again, I think it's just useful to have that level of awareness about why this might feel hard for you in particular maybe you're more of a doer than a thinker like me maybe you've got some values that are a little bit in conflict maybe it's just a habit that you've not really thought about before but if you're more aware of what's driving it I think it becomes a bit easier to unpick it that's become more meaningful than I imagined it was going to be. <laughs> Given we're now about to do some very practical things about do not multitask and here's what to do instead. It's like, oh, we got quite philosophical for a moment there. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to now talk about an interruption audit? Yes, let's, let's get into audits quickly, effectively. So idea for action one is interruption audit. And this is becoming more aware of what, when and why you're likely to multitask. So really, when do you go in to switching overload? Because there is no one who doesn't experience this at some point during their week. And I thought it might be useful to start with a couple of questions just to ask yourself. So when do I switch the most at work? Is there a day? Is there a time of the week? Is there, you know, time of the day? So what? when is that happening the most? When was the last time I worked for an hour? without being interrupted. I often ask this question in workshops and people can't remember. And that makes me really sad. And then question three, roughly, and I say roughly because these numbers are usually quite high, how many times do I interrupt or get interrupted in an average day at work? And please don't panic if that number is really high because again, I ask this question a lot and people are going, I think it's like, 250 plus other people are like a thousand lots of people actually just say constantly so almost like it's not a number it just feels like their days 
are full of constant interruptions. Other people, give people credit, say, oh, maybe 10. And I'm like, okay, well, that feels really, you're in a really positive place there. That feels much more manageable. But I do think, and there'll probably be, I'm sure some of these people listening, where they're like, you're like, wow, it's an overwhelming number that feels quite hard to grapple with, to even kind of take control of. I almost want to ask a fourth question there as well, which is like, and how is it making you feel? Mm. And I would imagine for a lot of people, either like overwhelmed, tired, out of control would be some of the words that would be responded to. But I think once you kind of understand the feelings are probably quite negative for a lot of people, I think it creates the incentive and desire to do something a bit different. I might add that onto it. And once you've got that level of awareness, because you've done the audit, so you've got some sort of insight into what does this look like for me right now, what we want to do is take action so that we can stop those interruptions happening so easily and so constantly. And the action that we recommend is to find friction. So first of all, you've got to understand what that distraction is. So for me, for example, my biggest distraction would be like Teams, Microsoft Teams messages, Instagram messages, LinkedIn messages, but actually very specifically on my phone. So I, yeah, I don't really see them on my desktop. I, mean, I guess I've, I've turned whatever would alert me on my desktop <laughs> off. It's just on my phone. And when that distracts me, so the what is those messages, when it's, well, I'm working on my laptop. So for example, this morning, I was, it was early, I was working on the podcast like research at about six o'clock this morning and my phone was still going off with messages from my team which is fine because everyone works a different way but I had allowed myself to see those messages like the easiest way for me to find some friction would have been to leave my phone in another room or even just turn it over but that's a bit tempting but (laughs) I I know I know very very clearly what and when I know very clearly (laughs) what that is. And all I have to do to find some friction is to put my phone further away from me that feels easy to see. That is what I need to do. And you kind of go, oh, that's quite a simple thing. Next time I want to do some focus work, that's a very simple solution to a problem that's actually causing me quite some probably cumulative, quite significant issues in terms of what I'm working on. So that's how I can find some friction. And do you think what stops you from doing that at the moment is almost just the not having the intention, you know, like not practically thinking about it. And then it sort of happens before you even realize, or do you think it, you know, like I was in like, yeah, I don't, I don't really even consciously think about it. My phone's sort of there and then it sort of happens and then I'm in it and it's too late. So do you think it's about intentional action and often those actions are quite small or do you think it's something sort of more deep seated than that, which is, oh, I, you know, I like to be needed. Mm, yeah, interesting. So near Eyal, when we had him on the podcast, oh, it would be 2022, in January 2022, he said that the reason people get distracted, three reasons, internal, so there's something going on within you, like, you know, you're people pleasing or whatever, that reason, external, so something about your environment that's not very conducive to your attention, like maybe, you know, I'm working in the kitchen and the kids come down for breakfast or whatever, that's not very helpful, or just poor planning, like you're not doing this in the right time of day that where your brain's really like in this kind of mode. And so if I think, if I was trying to diagnose my distraction, I would say it's a little bit internal because I want to be helpful. I hate the thought that someone would be messaging me and they've got a question that I can answer or something in which I can help them with and they're stuck because of me. So, and I translate that to, and I need to respond instantly is how, is how that yeah. comes in my brain. And then it's probably just a bit external. Like 
don't put your phone if that's the worst thing just don't put it on your desk or whatever when you're trying to do this thing just make it a bit harder to get to so I think just understanding like diagnosing your distractions for yourself internal external or planning is is a helpful way of thinking it through what about you I mean you do you do you're not always the most amazing monotasker so in those moments when you find yourself switching a little bit what and when does that happen and how would you find your friction so for me the what is me getting in my own way so it's thoughts and ideas just like general stuff like happening in my brain which means that I'm switching what I'm thinking about in the moment so as somebody's talking to me so let's say you and I were having a catch-up we're having a team meeting as I listen to people it sparks thoughts and so then I go off in a million different directions so I don't I'm not doing those tasks I don't think oh I need to do that task and then start that task but I start thinking about it and so I start thinking about like a idea or a solution or worrying well how is that task going to get done and then obviously what you've stopped doing in that moment is you're not monotasking them because you're not listening and you're not present and so then you might well you are going to miss what people have said it means you can't contribute effectively and I think people can tell you know, people like people can read body language, and I think you can tell that people have sort of gone off in different directions. So that's definitely not how I would want to show it, but I I know I sort of feel that happening, and so obviously I'll be less effective. Also, I think you're then you're running the risk of you know your work taking longer, people having to repeat stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know, like oh, I'm gonna have to go back to that because obviously I wasn't listening properly or I didn't take the action that I was meant to take because I missed it. So that's definitely me. Like that's that's my brain sort of splitting its attention across too many things all at the same time. And I think for me to find friction, there are some kind of practical things. I think knowing that I have got space coming up to order my thoughts and to make sure that I feel on top of things and in control really helps me. So if I can't see space, like if I can't see space at like say an end of a day, or the next day, I find that very difficult. That is like a really practical thing. And that space might just be like half an hour of sort of space to order my brain. And I think when I've got it, it then releases the pressure somehow to have to think those thoughts in those moments because I just sort of go, oh, that's one for later. I'm then present again. I go back to the kind of mono moment much, much quicker because I'm like, oh yeah, like one for tomorrow, one for later, like leave it. And I sort of let the thought go or I write something down quickly. Often I don't even need to write them down, to be honest. It's more just what all, all of this is just happening in my brain, like doing my own brain, doing my own head in, basically. <laughs> and so I don't even think often it's even like a practical thing. And also the stuff that comes into my brain is a real mix of like, some of it feels important, but some of it really doesn't. Some of it feels useful, some of it isn't. So like, these are not like incredible quality thoughts, just in case anyone's like, write them down so you don't lose them. I'm like, most of them are absolutely fine, like to disappear. So I think that is a really good practical one for me is, is that that's a constant thing to keep coming back to. I always find that's true. So that's not like a, oh, in this week or in this day, that's particularly important. That is always true for me. Like space for myself by myself helps me to stay present all the rest of the time I am horrendous like back-to-back meetings is, is my worst case scenario no space in between things is my worst case scenario Helen and I's diaries as a result look very different so Helen would rather do two or three things sort of quite close to each other and then have like a bigger gap say at the end of her day 
Whereas I'm just a lot less effective when I work in that way. So you'll notice if someone saw my diary, you see lots of half an hours, which would drive Helen mad. But like, yeah. like a half an hour and then do something. And then I another half an hour. And then I don't something. want your diary. No, I don't want yours either. So <laughs> I, I think I do know that about myself. But then every so often, you know, when you've just been a bit lazy or not on it enough to make the space happen. Now, actually, interestingly, this happened today. So I didn't have the space today. And my head was in five different places first thing this morning. Bit post-holiday, but also that doesn't, you know, that's just an excuse. That's that You've got to hold yourself to account. But something then happened. Something came out of my diary unexpectedly. And how I feel now is dramatically different because it unintentionally got created. The space got created. And I thought, do you know what? In hindsight, I should have known that the first day back from holiday always feels frantic and full on. I know that. And I'd got zero space today. And that was never going to help me. I was always then going to be a bit, and I do, I then start multitasking in all sorts of which ways and just feel like, and I don't really feel like I'm making progress on anything. So I think that's the practical thing for me. And do you know what? I knew you need that space because I knew that thing had come out and I was like, oh, we could do this thing earlier. And I was like, nope. (laughs) I knew knew you wouldn't want to. Whereas obviously, you know me, I'm like, dead dead space, Philip. You were like, dead space, Philip. Let's do something with it. And I'm like, no no I literally went and got a cup of tea and sat outside in the sunshine and you know what? it's not it's not an idea for action because I've literally just come up with it but it would be an interesting experiment if you were gonna design your diary for a week based on how your brain worked like Ooh, how yeah. would how would it look different is just an interesting almost like and why couldn't you and there's probably some very practical reasons why you couldn't but it it, it might be worth sort of See if you can challenge any of them and design your working week a little bit better for your brain. I'd love to do that with a neuroscientist. We could get a neuroscientist on the podcast and say, okay, so how should we all be designing our weeks? Yeah, I bet they'd all definitely say you should, you know, like about your uh, circadian rhythms and like you should probably be working less. You should definitely be going out for walks, all those kind of things. Well, maybe we'll come back to that if that'd be an interesting (laughs) episode. (laughs) We'll find a neuroscientist to tell us how to work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And 
actually it links quite nicely to idea for action two which is on mindful monotasking and this idea was really inspired by borrowing some brilliance from surgeons so i was reading this article about like who are the professions who have got careers where they are good at monotasking so they do one thing at once almost sequentially and they kind of work in sequence and they say surgeons have to be because almost like that is that is the nature of their jobs and they were saying most people assume that surgeons you know it's all about like precision and steady hands and obviously they have those things and we're very grateful for those things but they were saying the real gift that surgeons have is this ability to single-mindedly focus on kind of one person and actually complete a series of tasks over actually long periods so it's like hours and hours often and they were saying they don't all turn up naturally brilliant at this. It just all comes from practice. And obviously the nature of their jobs mean they get a lot of practice. And so they get better and better at doing this. Perhaps if any surgeons listen, they can tell us whether that's true. Because this is this was written by a doctor. So I'm assuming he's sort of self-saying he's brilliant at it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, okay, well, you can apply that as a non-surgeon to your day-to-day in terms of how you design your week. And I thought it'd be a really interesting experiment to allocate time in your diary or in your calendar where you go I'm specifically going to use this time to do one thing at once and so I will finish this thing before I move on to the next and I think it would feel really uncomfortable but I suspect the more you do it the easier it gets so maybe you just try it for 15 minutes every day for a week or maybe you try it for one hour twice a week then maybe you build up to like a morning or a day or a whole week Because what is interesting about this is this is not about, you're not doing less work. If anything, you do more work and the quality of your work will increase. You just sort of have to, I think, probably take a deep breath and believe it. Mm. Because even even I was thinking, oh, that's quite a big deal to shift to completely working in that way where you'd be like, okay, well, for this half an hour, I answer emails and then I stop answering emails because I then move on to my next task and maybe I don't answer emails again for like three, you know, three more hours. So you're not sort of, you're not always on, you're not switching really quickly between I'll do this page of this presentation, then I'll answer this email and then I'll do, you know, you, you literally you kind of keep your, you hold yourself to account, I guess, to those allocated time slots. Now, I don't think you want to be really rigid, but I do wonder whether if you almost sort of color coded them in your diary I think that might be quite helpful or maybe you gave them a name like we've talked before about the idea of monk mode where you sort of stay very focused you are sort of doing one thing at once it might just help you to start practicing because that's the thing that's the word I kept reading about this was like if you don't practice it you won't get any better at monotasking we can all do it and our brains really want us to so we've got to find opportunities to practice I think the other build that I would say is somebody knows when a surgeon is in surgery yeah you know so so the amazon delivery is not like can you just come out a minute i've got a parcel for you or whatever i think like communicating that you're in surgery mode whatever that sounds <laughs> like you know like sarah gave it a name or it's visible in the diary so that people go oh helen's in surgery or whatever the equivalent is i think is quite helpful because then they just mm. know okay that's not a time when i can bother like you're really good at this sarah when we we have um filming days that sarah and i do once a month where we create lots of career development resources for the companies that we work with and on those days we have to be really really present like Sarah has seen me in particular get quite sort of distracted and affected by interruptions on those days when it is just really important we're like in the zone we've got a team of people recording us it costs us a lot of money like 
you need to be there in mentally and physically and so we communicate that to the team it's like we're in surgery mode today we're filming all day can we catch up later on anything you've got and everyone really respects that yeah and so i think communicating that to other people is quite important as well Idea for action number three is called Win Watch. And this is something that we do in Amazing If, and Sarah and I specifically do together, that I have found really, really helpful. So what I have realized is not all work is of equal impact. And there are some big things that you work towards that can be really important for your achievements and your motivations and your kind of sense of fulfillment. But they're often not things that can be delivered really quickly. And when you are multitasking, I think often the attraction is smaller, less significant things because that's sort of easier for your brain to switch on and off, I find. But that task-based work is often at the expense of like the more transformational stuff. And one of the things that has really helped Help me is we have a one pager that we do every quarter which we call win watch and sarah and i discuss what's going on win watch and it's bigger things it's like you know we're going to get a, a harvard business review article out for example or there's something that we want to set up or a relationship we want to build or something like that not something that can be done in a day and what i find really useful is that we agree what goes on the win watch and then we come back to it regularly so we're going to talk about it on thursday this week for example i and looked just, at it today so yeah and just check in and what helps me actually is that sarah is often even more focused on it than me. So if, I, if I've if i like not looked at it for a week or two, Sarah will just naturally bring it up. She's not trying to check up on me. She's just checking on the wind watch. But yeah, I'm like- that's what you think. You keep telling yourself that. <laughs> Find yourself a Sarah. Uh, <laughs> and you can never forget what you've committed to. But it's actually, it's actually, but I find, I'm like, it really, really helps me to be like, oh, that is important. And I do want to work towards that. And therefore this other thing is getting in my way. And- I think I like that it is visual as well. And I like that I do it with Sarah, but I could do it on my own. It probably still would work on my own, but I I do find it useful that I do it with somebody else as well. Yeah, and we say it's visual. I mean, it's like, it's the worst (laughs) creative you've ever seen. (laughs) But it literally is just like six or eight boxes, but we just put a picture. So rather than just like writing something, I do think our brains love a visual. So just by Mm. having those visuals, I think, and also it's a quick shortcut for us. And it honestly only takes us probably quarter of an hour to create and then we only ever usually look at it for like two minutes and, and then we red amber like, green it it's quite it's yeah. all quite quick and um really quick but it just keeps you keeps you committed which i find really helpful so idea for action four we're calling game your brain so here we were trying to figure out what would really work for helen <laughs> <laughs> that that was basically the essay question here that we were trying to answer because we were like, right, let's imagine you do find this really difficult. Then we were like, we don't need to imagine. Helen finds this difficult. What, what would work? Our brains do love games. And I think you could get with this topic, I think you could get a bit hard on yourself. And also it could feel a bit like a chore and you don't want it to feel preachy. Like I'm really mindful that sometimes Helen and I have had conversations about things around this and I'm like, oh, but I don't want to feel like I'm telling Helen off. And clearly, like, we work in really different ways. And also, some of these things she obviously finds quite fun. And I'm sort of going, well, don't look at your phone every five minutes because it's stressing you out. But also, I can see you're getting a bit of energy sometimes from those things. So we were like, right, how do we sort of make it a bit more fun and a bit more lighthearted, you know, like in terms of going, actually, this is something you could enjoy. And our brains really like seeing progress, So one of the things that we were thinking here is if you've got something quite big you're working on, and it doesn't even need to be that big, but something you're working on over a week, for example, you could break it down into lots of small sprints. 
and small actions and use things like post-it notes or you could use online versions of that like uh, Miro or Mural and almost create a bit of a, re a reward, almost create your own game that would work for you. So we were thinking, you know, there's a reason that like Duolingo does so well for people learning languages. Yeah, it's simple, it's broken down, but the little owl thing, because we've both been doing it with our kids. That's Duo, gives... Sarah. His name's Duo. Oh, is he? Yeah. And he just gives you, what do you get? Like stars or something? I don't know. You get you get, you get a streak every day. You know, you, get your, right. you, do get, you do get your stars that you can redeem, but you don't want to lose your streak freeze. That's the game. So we don't want to lose our working streak freeze. <laughs> right. And what's really interesting is Helen and I have both used that app with our kids and I have got zero knowledge of what these things were. I was like, oh, I think there are some stars involved, but I'm just not motivated by those things where you could then describe to me for Duolingo, for Peloton, you could then name some apps that would then help you to sort of do this. And I just think you could actually have some fun creating this either by yourself and just be like, well, what would work for you and what rewards would feel motivating? I think the point about games and gaming generally is you get rewards. So whether that is stars, whether you are, I don't know, doing something you find really fun, whether you're treating yourself to something, I think you have got to have a reward mechanism built into this for this to really work. And maybe you, this is something I can imagine this being something that could also work as a team. Because even though I'm less bothered about the stars and streak thingy, I would be probably more bothered if I was doing it as a team. And also I love achievement as well. So I would, I'd still want the outcome. I'd want to win. I'm, I'm bothered by winning. So if I was creating a game for me, I'd be like, oh, how can I create a game where I get to win? That's, that, was, that would be my question. <laughs> I would just like lots of like green ticks. You know, yeah, you like want some, you want some ticks, and I want a prize. I think. <laughs> if you, um, Sarah mentioned the apps, Habit Tracker or the Productive app are both free. I think there's probably some things that make pay for eventually, but um, you could break a project down into like a series of things that you can create your ticks or you get your thing you're going to win at the end of it. Um, using one of those, if that's helpful. The the benefit of those but be careful I was gonna say the benefit of it is that it will notify you every day but just be careful <laughs> that that text not taking you away from the task is just to be aware of that so don't you know don't let the thing that's supposed to keep you committed become a daily distraction for you that's the opposite of what we want idea for action number five is about progress pairs again this is something that's worked for me so what I find is that if I'm trying to work on something actually it's much easier to work on that thing with somebody else. So it's not about working on different things together. It's about working on the same thing together. Because like, let's say Sarah and I are writing an article or working on a new course that we want to create, something like that. Actually being in a room, and I do think it's even better if you can physically be in the same room together, and coming together to build that thing keeps me very very committed I won't look at my phone unless it's like an agreed time like lunch Sarah's like you're allowed to look now but I don't want to my I'm in the zone I sound with so Sarah. fun to you're work with great fun no 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 but I want to it's actually more fun the work is more fun doing it with somebody so the appeal of the distraction is less like I'm like well I'm I'm here and we're coming up with ideas and it's it's a bit like the street freeze I don't want to break that I know that the moment no, I can never get you to break it's so interesting isn't it though but when yeah. we're together I'm the one who will say like I'm the one going okay I, I need a break now I need to go and get a coffee I do need to do something different for a bit I reckon you could keep going because actually once you are once you are in something you're then incredibly focused mm. so you're like actually you have quite a personality change <laughs> in those <laughs> moments because you go from somebody who can do loads and loads of switching to someone who actually is incredibly like right we are doing this thing 
and I'm, I'm going to keep you here until we do it and we're going to yeah. stay in this room and I don't I don't need any breaks so you become incredibly <laughs> sort of focused <laughs> and yeah like I'd like it's almost relentlessly so so what's yeah. brilliant is you know you can do it and it's great that you can then see like what that looks like maybe it's just about thinking well how could that work in sort of smaller doses because often they're quite big chunks aren't they yeah. when we do that at the moment yeah I agree and I think you can do I do find it more effective for me when I'm with Sarah in person but we have done it remotely mm. and then I don't think you do do it for a whole day. Then I think you do it for a couple of hours. And I think what helps then is keeping your camera on because the moment that your camera is off, I think that the appeal of those things that will increases yeah it does it does because i think you're less accountable but when you're well, said to you on... oh if we hadn't got our cameras on for a podcast day i was like i i was like obviously i wouldn't look at my phone i was like you wouldn't look at your phone where you're like yeah i probably would yeah, i was like would. all right <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> but yeah yeah i probably would uh but um the camera's on and i haven't so no, you haven't that, that's, a, that's a win for both because i can see your eyes <laughs> i can see your eyeballs <laughs> So, funny. so quick recap of our five ideas for action then to help you stop multitasking everybody number one interruption audit number two mindful monotasking number three win watch number four game your brain and number five progress pairs and we'll put a summary of all of those ideas on the pod sheet for you So thank you so much for listening. And if you have got the time to rate and review and share it with other people, we really appreciate it. We read it every week and it really helps us to understand the impact that we're making. But that's all for this week. We'll be back with you again soon. Thank you, everyone. Speak to you again soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 